welcome to the 360 Diaspora Experience Podcast, where we talk about family, faith, and finance. This is the show where we help you to build mindset for legacy for your children, for your family generational wealth. My name is KG Ogunleye, and today we are talking again about estate planning. So listen, if you did not listen to our last episode, you need to listen to it where Soren, the specialized in estate planning, talk about just having a will is just the beginning of estate planning, not just for the big people. So today we're continuing the conversation and Soren is going to talk to her about trust. You know, she continually dropped trust, trust, trust while we were doing the previous <laughs> recording. So now I want to know what she's talking about trust. Soren, yeah, introduce yourself one more time. Hi, this is Soren Adams. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm located in Bowie, Maryland, a law office is Adams Law Office, LLC, and I am so happy to be here today to talk about trust because it's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know, you were dropping it last year, like, okay, hold on, hold on, I need to find out more about trust. You know, like I said last week, I mean, the last episode that as a realtor, I see people put house and trust. When I look at the tax record, they have family trust, something trust, whatever, and I'm like, oh, what is trust? So. Soren, what is the trust? Mm -hmm. So e the easiest way to understand a trust is really to think about it as a separate entity apart from the individual. So similar to if you were creating an LLC or a corporation, a trust is a separate entity that you create. You create it by a trust agreement um, that has to be drafted properly, um, ideally with the counsel of an attorney, because there are lots of provisions in there that can be very tricky and one thing mm -hmm. can mean something else. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So it is created by a trust agreement. There are certain parties that'll be in a trust. For example, you're going to have a grantor, um, mm -hmm. which is the person who creates the trust. You'll have a trustee. That's the person who manages the trust assets. Um, and then you're going to have beneficiaries, and that's, those are the people who benefit from the trust. Um, okay. So that could be either the person who created it, or it could be their children, or it could be a charity. It can be a whole host of different things. But that's the, the gist of what a, a trust is, and they can be either revocable or irrevocable. Okay. So just before I ask you, why we, so what is the difference between a revocable and irrevocable trust? So the main difference is that in a revocable trust, um, they're both created during life, but in a revocable trust, the grantor, the person who creates the trust, is also the trustee of that trust for the most part. Um, it's okay. revocable, changeable at any time during life. Um, so it's one of the standard forms that you use for estate planning purposes. Um, instead of a will or in addition to a will, you'll have a trust in order to manage your assets and you can make sure that things are designated and distributed out to your beneficiaries in a certain way. So it's a much more detailed, much more protected format for doing estate planning. The irrevocable trust is done also for estate planning, but lots of other purposes as well. Um, so the irrevocable trust is where the grantor or the person who creates the trust is generally not the trustee. Once you create the trust, and they're generally not the beneficiaries either. <laughs> so once oh. you create the trust, you designate who you want as beneficiaries, how you want those assets distributed out, 
and you name somebody else to serve as trustee of that trust, not yourself. So you lose a level of control over assets when you use an irrevocable trust, but it's very, very useful when you're doing things like asset protection. If you have um, real estate, bank accounts, certain assets that you want to protect from creditors, this is the method that's used. Um, also, if you want to do Medicaid planning, meaning you want to make sure that you're not having to spend all of your assets for Medicaid, um, I'm sorry, not for Medicaid, for nursing home purposes. Mm -hmm. uh, nursing homes in this area, at least in, in Maryland, are, they run usually about $10,000 per month. A month. Mm -hmm. So per month. So you can use up assets really quickly um, if you don't do certain planning. And this is one of those planning tools that you can use. You can transfer things like your primary residence and still live in the home bank accounts, all sorts of assets into the name of an irrevocable trust if it's set up as a Medicaid trust. And after five years, the five-year look back, Medicaid completely ignores the assets in those kinds of trusts. So you don't have to spend them down in order for Medicaid to pay for that nursing home instead of using up all of your assets. So it's an extremely valuable tool for that purpose. Um, mm. You can also do tax planning with irrevocable trusts. Um, so there's lots of benefits for it um, but you again need an expert to be drafting it because you may be thinking you're doing one thing and you're actually doing another and the tax laws obviously are very complicated so um, they're drafted for a particular purpose and the revocable ones are the ones you can change at any time and you're the grantor trustee lifetime beneficiary of those types of trusts and the irrevocable ones you can potentially be a beneficiary like with the Medicaid, but for the most part, somebody else is the beneficiary and somebody else is the trustee. Mm, okay, okay. So, you know, last week they were talking about a congressman that put their all their assets into a blind trust. Is that what it's called? Is it the same thing as irrevocable trust, a blind trust? Um, there are different names and they're usually specified by, you know, whatever firm is doing it. So, for example, one of our irrevocable trusts that we use for Medicaid planning, we call a legacy trust. So okay. some of them may have different names, but the language within the trust itself actually determine what the purpose of it is going to be because you can use them for different purposes. Um, a blind trust can also be a, like a privacy trust. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes those are used if you have assets and you don't necessarily want the world to know what to assets know. you have. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are very useful for those types of purposes, and you can have offshore trusts. Um, the tax authorities know, you know, what the assets are, but the assets are being managed by a trustee offshore for asset protection purposes. Oh, um, yes. So there are lots of different types that are available. Useful. So in what you just said now, it's not just the rich people that need to create a trust. Definitely not. As soon as you have either real estate in your name, like you've purchased your home or are mm -hmm. purchasing your home, so you can still have mm -hmm. a mortgage on it and put it in a trust, or if you have minor kids or beneficiaries that you want to designate specific time frames or ways that they receive whatever you're leaving them, those are the basic criteria for whether you need a trust or not. And you mm -hmm. can have, you know, just one house with that, you know, mortgaged and you have maybe $10,000 worth of equity, but yeah. I always say this to clients, if you if you don't have a lot, 
that there's even more reason for you to be protecting that and making sure that you're not losing the little that you have <laughs> built up mm-hmm. to things like probate and taxes and all of these, you know, other fees that come into play when you don't do proper planning. Proper planning is a fraction of what it costs to go through probate. And certainly, you know, you're, you're wanting assets to go to your family in a certain way. You're not going to be there to be able to oversee everything that's going on. So you can set that up in the, in the written language of a trust so that that is there to protect and to make sure and to guide. Um, and you can put that, you know, financial roadmap for your family in place so that if you can't be there, you have those protections already built in for them. Okay. So if you have a trust created, revocable, irrevocable, it doesn't matter. If that person died, does it still go through probate? It does not. If you've put that, and here's the key thing, if mm-hmm. you have put your assets into the trust. It's called funding a trust. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people um, will go to firms and, you know, a firm will prepare a trust for you and kind of send you on your way. Here's your estate plan. Make sure you fund it. And people really, most people don't know what that means or how to do it. So you really need to be careful that you are um, partnering with an attorney that's really going to either walk you through that process or do it for you, that there's some mechanism in place to make sure that your assets get into the name of that trust. If, for example, <laughs> you have a house and mm-hmm. your house is still in your individual name, but you have a trust that it basically says what to do with the house, but the house is still in your individual name, it has to go through probate. The trust is completely ignored. The uh-huh. house has to be owned by the trust in order for that trust to govern what happens to the house. Mm. Same with bank accounts. And you can do this with life insurance. You can have the trust as a beneficiary of life insurance. You can have it as the beneficiary of retirement accounts. Um, all of the assets that you can think of or that you own, your personal property, everything, um, can either be owned by your trust or have the trust as the beneficiary so that it funnels through the trust in order to go out to the beneficiaries. And that can be really important if you've built in asset protection in your trust which is another thing to make sure you, you know, if that's something that's important to you um, to protect assets from potential creditors or divorce or tax issues, lawsuits for your beneficiaries, make sure you're dealing with a firm that's well-versed in all of that, knows how to prepare it, and that they can build that into your trust if it's important to you. Um, You can make sure that whatever you're leaving to your family members is actually going to get to them. (laughs) And if they're going through something at the time that they're supposed to inherit, they can decide to leave that asset in your trust and take either monthly or annual distributions or just wait to take distributions until after the issue has passed, like a divorce has been concluded so Ah. that it's not going to, you know, some spouse, some ex-spouse instead of to, your child or, you know, the beneficiaries that you're intending to benefit. Um, So you want to make sure those things are in place in your trust. All of that can be done. And the key thing is making sure you've actually put the assets into the name of the trust. We get families all the time that come to us and say, here's our trust. Is this just wanting us to review it? Um, And what we find out is that nothing is actually in the trust. The trust doesn't own anything. It's kind of oh. a shell of a document. Mm-hmm. And so they would, if they hadn't come to us, would have still been going through probate. 
which, you uh, know, I can't imagine a more frustrating thing for a family than to have someone say, you know, I've gotten it all taken care of, and they think they've gotten it all taken care of, and nothing has but, been done. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so because you're saying you can create a trust and just be a shell. You just mm-hmm. made a point that if you your uh, personal property is in my name, KG Ogle, but then I created a trust, I didn't do anything. It doesn't really make any mm-hmm. difference because it's still going to go to probate. It's just an expensive stack of paper at that point if you haven't funded it. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't govern anything that happens. Oh, so okay. So it's really important to have, have it properly drafted and have it funded after it's drafted. Okay, because, okay, good. You keep saying protecting asset when you create a trust, you protect your asset. What does that really mean when you say that? So, for example, if you, let's say you're leaving your house to your daughter and 50 years from now you pass away, your daughter is in the middle of a nasty divorce. And, or let's say your daughter got into a car accident and the insurance for whatever reason is not covering it and the person she got into the accident with was injured. And so now she has this million dollar lawsuit that's pending against her that she's in the middle of battling. If she were to inherit money from your, for example, life insurance outright Mm -hmm. at your passing, they write a check to her. That money is now her asset and can be attached by creditors, can be attached Um, part of her assets in a divorce, all of those things then come into play. If that house that you you left her, um, say you kept it in your individual name, didn't put it in the trust, that's now an asset that's going through probate. So she's now going to have costs associated with probating it. And then she's going to own it outright. So it's part of the assets that they can get after. Uh, If she heard it in a trust, Mm -hmm. if the life insurance was made payable to the trust as beneficiary and your trust had specific instructions in it that said my daughter needs to be x age before she can receive a distribution from this trust in lump sum before that time the trustee can only distribute for her needs whatever comes up that the trustee feels is necessary Um, and until she turns these ages she can't get lump sum distributions when she does turn these ages she has a withdrawal right meaning that she can pull out this money, but she doesn't have to. If all of this stuff is going on at the time she's inheriting, she may choose this divorce needs to be wrapped up (laughs) before Before. I take Mm -hmm. any money out of this trust. And so she may leave that house and she may leave that life insurance money in your trust and take a small amount to pay for attorney's fees, whatever the case may be. And then after those situations have passed, she can then take that ownership of the um, asset into her individual name if she's, you know, past the age that you've designated. You can do things like require that your beneficiaries meet with a financial advisor before getting a distribution. So if she's met those qualifications, mm-hmm. she gets that lump sum, but she can choose to leave it in if she chooses. Um, oh, okay, that's, okay, that's what you mean. So what, what about the trust? I mean, the person that created the trust, can their asset also be protected while they're still alive? So that's the where the irrevocable trust part comes in. If it's uh-huh. in a revocable trust, you as the grantor and trustee and lifetime beneficiary, you have complete control over that asset. So it's not mm-hmm. out of your name. It's not in this, you know, it's in the protected shell of the trust, 
but because you have complete control over it, creditors can get to it too. That's a revocable uh, trust. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones you have complete control over. So there are lots of benefits to that, meaning you have complete control over it, but you can designate what happens if something happens to you. If you become incapacitated, your trustee can manage those assets for you without needing a guardianship proceeding. All of the other benefits that you know come from what I just talked about with sending it to your beneficiaries with asset protection, all of those things. But if you have creditors or you suspect you may have creditors in the future um, or you have a, a business, for example, that you can get sued a lot. If, um, for example, attorneys get, get sued a lot, mm -hmm. uh, doctors get sued a lot. So if you have a situation where you have a very um, risky type of business, you can put assets into an irrevocable trust where you lose a level of control, meaning you designate somebody else as the trustee of that type of trust. But you can also specify, you know, here are the circumstances where I get distributions, um, here's who the trustee is going to be, and same thing as you do with the beneficiaries of a revocable trust. You can say, here are the beneficiaries I want to inherit after I'm gone, and here's how they need to inherit. And you can build in that asset protection for them as well. So that's wow. the main um, difference. If you want to do asset different. protection for your property mm -hmm. during life, you would mm -hmm. use an irrevocable trust, but you lose a little bit of, of control there. Okay, okay. Ooh, okay. This is, I mean, trust. Okay. So let's take a <laughs> two minutes break and come back and wrap up. Hey, everybody. It's Alondra Brooks, your host at I Am Becoming Podcast Radio. I Am Becoming is what I would call inspirational gumbo. We will talk about becoming from motivational perspective. This platform will be an information highway for nuggets from the hair industry business, to business in general, motivation, you can catch us every Sunday at 3 p.m. Come out and become with me. I cannot wait to hear from you. Hey there, this is KG. Are you looking for opportunity to build wealth using real estate? Are you looking for opportunity to build generational wealth? This is KG. I'm a realtor with TFX Realty. I help people buy and sell real estate, build generational wealth. Listen, if you're looking to buy, sell, or move, contact me and I'll take care of you. Don't forget, listen to this podcast and subscribe. To contact me, you can email me kg at metrohomesrealty.com. That's K-E-J-I at metrohomesrealty.com. Let's connect so that you can start building wealth for your family and the next generation. All right, welcome back. We have been talking about trust and trust and trust and Serene is just downloading so many things to us. So we talk about trust. You actually talk about which one is good for access protection. If I'm getting from you, you're talking about irrevocable trust, right? Mm-hmm. For asset okay. protection, that would be the for, recommendation. Yes, yes. So here's a scenario, and I think you've already answered it for me. One of my friends was so angry because his uh, dad has to go into a nursing home. But, mm -hmm. of course, he has 
uh, it has a uh, what do you call it? It has a house paid for, mm-hmm. and it has a retirement account. So they told her she has to expend everything before mm-hmm. the government can kick in to pay for the uh, for the care. Is that what you're talking mm-hmm. about when you're talking about Medicaid trust? Yes, exactly. That's a very common scenario. And as all of us are aging, our whole United States population is aging, it's becoming more and more of a concern. Um, also because of dementia and how many mm-hmm. people are um, being diagnosed with dementia, Alzheimer's, these types of debilitating diseases that really affect your ability to live alone, take care of yourself, but you can still live a very long time with these diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think is, is one of the biggest shifts in um, what's going on with our aging population is we can live a really, really long time with debilitating um, illnesses and diseases. So when that happens, it's usually either a huge strain on one or two family members, um, huge as in a lot of times caregivers pass away before the person they're caring for, which is a really scary thing, but it's, it happens mm-hmm. over and over again because there's so much stress that comes from taking care um, of somebody who is incapacitated and just cannot take care of themselves. You're the, the sole person responsible for them. It just wears and, and wears on people. So. What can be done um, if you have to go into a nursing home or if your family member, you have to place them in a nursing home because you're no longer able to care for them alone. Um, And that can be for a host of reasons. If somebody needs 24 hour care, it's impossible for their family member. um, If it's, you know, one person or even two to care for them Mm -hmm. 24 seven, or they're just too heavy to lift, whatever the situation is. um, Mm -hmm. And you end up having to go into a nursing home. I mentioned earlier, it costs about $10,000 a month. A month, yes. A month, Mm -hmm. and D.C. is comparable. So with that level of expense, um, usually people will wipe out their whole estate, and this is the reason why we talk about it in our estate planning consultations, Um, because if you haven't planned for this with either long-term care insurance or having some portion of assets in an irrevocable trust when you're, you know, getting older, (laughs) then you really you really have to consider doing that because you can wipe out your whole estate trying to pay for these types of costs. Um, even if you think you're going to be cared for at home and have like an in-home caregiver, those are just as expensive and in most cases more so than a nursing home because you're paying for usually 24-hour care. Um, if you transfer assets into an irrevocable trust, um, for example, your primary residence, you can transfer that into an irrevocable trust and the provisions of the trust can state that you can still live in the home. All of that can be the same. Um, you just have to name somebody else. Usually it's your adult children who you name okay. as your trustee. trustee. So that person okay. is in charge of that asset. If you want to sell it, you have to let them know and they will sell it mm-hmm. for you. Um, you basically have to remove the assets from your individual name and control into the name and control of your trust, your trustee. Um, So you obviously, big key here in the name is trust. These have to be individuals that you trust to take care of you if something happens. Um, So you can name them as lifetime beneficiaries of those trusts where they gain access to those assets to take care of you. Um, 
all of that can be structured in, in a very specific way so that you do not have to then spend down all of your assets in order for Medicaid to start paying for a nursing home. You can have them protected so that your family has access to them. And if you don't use them all up during life, then they can ideally have benefit of them after you've passed away. Um, but yes. it's, it's really important to structure all of those things in advance because there's a five-year look-back rule. So mm. if you have done that and you pass five years, Medicaid completely ignores the assets that you've put into those trusts. Um, normally, your primary residence is exempt. You can keep it and have Medicaid still pay for your care. But after okay. you've passed away, Medicaid will attach a lien to that property. Ooh, so if you don't have irrevocable trust. Amount, yeah, for whatever amount that they have paid for. So that's the difference between having Medicaid pay for things without any kind of plan versus um, making sure you have these things in place ahead of time. Ooh, ooh, you just said something right now. You can still have your primary resident, but if you don't have it in a trust, when that person is in a nursing home, Medicaid attach a lien to it that has to be paid once the house is after sold. After they passed away. Yeah, they attach the lien after they've passed away. So while they're alive, if you intend to return to your home, it would be an exempt asset that Medicaid is not counting in terms mm -hmm. of what you, you can only have about $2,500 worth of assets in order for Medicaid to pay for a nursing home. 25 less like you have to be poor. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, you have to be dirt poor and really sick. It's basically the qualification, mm -hmm. which is, you know, most of us, again, you've been working your life to acquire assets. So mm -hmm. if something like this happens, and this can happen to a young person too, um, yes. if something debilitating happens and you end up in a nursing home, having to spend all of that is the opposite of what anyone is wanting to do. They have, you know, built it up for them to live off of or for their family to inherit after they're gone. Um, mm -hmm. So that, in order for that to happen, that irrevocable um, Medicaid type of trust is is needed. Ooh, that's, that. I mean, that's really, when you said last, in the last episode, that when you build up all these uh, assets, but if you don't protect it, then your your children or grandchildren now start again from zero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's one of those things that's just for lack of knowledge, I think, which is why, you know, I so appreciate being able to talk about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. We do webinars and seminars all the time because most people just don't know that these tools are even out there, and they think of trust as things for the rich. But, the rich, you know, <laughs> the rich know about this because they've, you know, had attorneys who've been speaking to them for sometimes mm -hmm. their whole life. But if you're, you know, a regular individual, you're kind of avoiding attorneys. <laughs> so you yeah. wouldn't have gotten this information unless your family, you know, has started this type of legacy building. And the goal is really that our kids know all about this stuff. They're using this yeah. stuff as second nature, um, as part of their estate plan. That a That's trust is something that, you know, as soon as they're 18, they're thinking about how am I investing my, even before that, how am I investing mm -hmm. money that I get at Christmas and birthdays to build wealth? And what am I doing to protect that wealth? Not just building yeah. it and having it in an account where anything can happen, but making mm -hmm. sure it's protected. It's protected. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. There's something that you said earlier that said uh, you need to have, make sure you have an attorney that is competent creating the trust. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I see a lot of ads, even, I mean, 
some celebrity they say you can buy the software package and create your trust what are the dangers mm-hmm. of doing that well for a trust it can be even more dangerous than a will i mean I usually, I get very nervous when people are talking about doing that even for a will because I know all of the pitfalls that can happen um, and I see them in probate. If you think about the fact that you are transferring either large bank accounts, large life insurance proceeds, your house (laughs) into the name of a trust that you've created without the, the knowledge, I mean, it takes years. Most attorneys who are practicing um, estate planning as a general practice, they're Mm -hmm. doing very basic wills that you get from the Bar Association. I did that when I first started (laughs) out with my own family. Uh And because I did it for my family, I quickly (laughs) figured out they are not good enough for most Mm. families. So, you know, it takes years to gain the knowledge to know how to do this correctly. So when you just go online without any of that knowledge, without law school, without any, you know, continuing legal education, without the tax mm-hmm. laws, you're guessing at what types of provisions you're selecting. And you're hoping and praying that it's going to work. And usually you don't find out that it doesn't work until, until it's too late to do anything for your family at that point. So there's a reason why people go to medical school and specialize in surgery mm-hmm. or anesthesiology just like mm-hmm. lawyers do, there's reason why you go to law school and specialize in estate planning. Ooh, mm-hmm. you don't get it from the box. Okay, okay. Thank you so much, Soren. <laughs> so, like we said, listen to the first episode and listen to this episode, Soren. Please, once again, tell us your contact. I can be reached at adamslawoffice.com um, or you can reach us by phone if you want to set up an appointment at 301-805-5892. Um, you can also set up appointments online, or you can contact support at adamslawoffice.net. Thank you so much. Everybody, you need to get on and call Soren right now because this is the serious stuff. You don't want to lose all this stuff that you build up over the years. I mean, that's, this happens a lot. And she gave mm-hmm. a lot of examples, you know, on nursing home and stuff like that. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Soren. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. So in closing, thank you all for taking your time to listen to this podcast, the episode that we just talked about building and creating and protecting your asset for the next generation through the diaspora experience. So it is our prayer and commitment that we strive to build for your family legacy. If you'd like to contact me, KG, please email me at kg at metrohomesrealtor.com and don't forget to check out my website. Until next time, have a wonderful day. Thank you.